I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov. Now let's go get your daughter. And my name is Colin Drucker and the swimming pool, the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, there's so many to pull from. I mean, it could have been anything. Oh, I am... So excited about this! I yeah, uh, I'm excited for you uh, as well. Yeah, and and like rewatching this. Of course, folks who haven't read the title of this episode, we are of course talking about 1982's Poltergeist this week. Mm. And you may be asking, what Oscar nominations are there for Poltergeist in the Best Supporting Actress category? Well, I can tell you where there isn't an Oscar nomination for lead actress, and unfortunately, it was Joe Beth Williams doing award-worthy work in Poltergeist. Uh, just the fact that her name is Diane, too, it just adds to like the lore of yeah. why it needs to be lauded. Right, right. <laughs> Diane's need to be recognized. I, yes. You know, that moment from, what was it, the Independent Film Spirit Awards with the LA Gay Men's Chorus? Yes, and with singing. Alex Newell and yeah. everyone yeah, and, and the gang. Everything that was considered gay that year, including the title of the movie, Diane. <laughs> I, I was like, I couldn't explain to you why i know that's true but yes. that's true it is so true it's yes. so true and the way they sang it they're like the movie diane yeah. <laughs> it was so like bland the way they it said was it great but i loved it um but I, you know it's funny i was thinking about this i mean part of this episode is just we get to talk about joe beth williams we get to talk about best supporting actress winner beatrice Strait. yes you know we get to talk about zelda rubenstein and i thought about these women and even to an extent carol ann and i thought well, these are really interesting, almost archetypes for best supporting actress kind of roles and performances. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, and I thought it was and obviously, well, no one was nominated or won acting awards for this movie. I think Joe Beth Williams was nominated for a Saturn Award, which is like a sci-fi uh, I was going to say, are there like sci-fi or horror movie awards? There should be. Yeah, I, mean, I think the Saturn Awards are the biggest ones. But so let's she was, hope that Tony Collette like swept all. I those, think like, she won the ago. Saturn. I'm pretty okay. sure. I should double check because that's also the other um, grieving mother who should have an Oscar for a horror movie <laughs> that I will always champion. Uh, exactly. Joe Beth walked so Tony could run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um. Yeah, and so that's kind of the context that I'm seeing us talking about this movie is like these performances are hitting so mm. many of the notes that we look for in BSAs. Yes, going to it. I mean, this whole movie is on at a 27. When it when it peaks, it peaks, and like that whole. I know we'll get into it, but like just when you think it's over, I looked at the time and there were like 27 minutes left, and I yeah. was like, oh, that's right. There's. There's like the the grand finale yeah. that's about to come to, and I, I as far as just like my history with this movie, I mean, if yes. you don't know now, Tell you me. do know that I am not 
a fan of horror movies, but this is not so bad. Mm-hmm. There was there was a couple times where I like was like peeking through my fingers just a little mm-hmm. bit, um, but it wasn't bad. Like I just think the fact that it was made in 1982, it's a Steven Spielberg joint. I mean, there's some, you know. It just looks like a Steven Spielberg. And that's not a dig at all either, too. It's just the technology that they had at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's not really a lot of jump scares. It's more so just about story and characters and the situation, too. It's just uh, plot-driven, I suppose. Um, But I... This movie, like, fucked me up when I was a kid. Like, Mm. I remember... The only thing I do remember from this movie, which is probably the worst part, is, like, the maggot scene with the steak crawling across the counter. And I... I mean, I laughed out loud when the guy ripped his face off. But, like, when I was younger, that was real to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is happening? And I remember... I just remember screaming. And I remember, like... uh, the swimming pool, always, always the skeletons. That was like something that really was burned into my memory. So mm-hmm. naturally, I didn't want to go back anytime soon, but I'm so glad that I did, especially for these performances, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are certainly, I mean, that makes sense. The Marty ripping his face off and, and the crawling stake, like those are some of the more, I mean, really, that is the most gruesome moment in the scene. Uh, and then the swimming pool full of uh, apparently live. I, mean, you know, I was just going to say previously live bodies, uh, which Joe Beth which Williams did not know about. Uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, that th- that's probably the, those are some of the most, I guess, quote unquote, graphic scenes. But otherwise, I mean, no one dies in this movie. Yeah. I remember reading that, too. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the dog is never harmed. Uh, oh, I looked that up right away. Yes, yep. the dog die. I, dot com. I, yeah. I I thought about that when I started watching. I was like, oh, I should have told him the dog's gonna be fine. But yes, I figured. Yeah. I also thought you you might have assumed that if I loved this movie and a dog was in it, the dog didn't die. Yeah, yeah. I trusted it. I love how the dog just gets in that cab with the youngest child, and then they just go away. There's no one mm-hmm. else in that cab. It's just the cab driver. They just oh go to yeah, grandma's. Yeah, I'm like. Eh, the 80s. Right? I know, right? You could just put your kid and your golden retriever in a random yellow taxi and say, take them to grandma's. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, so it's, uh, yeah, I am I am so thrilled about this. I've loved this movie forever. My experience with it is I think, I remember seeing, it was like it would always be on TV when I was younger, and I'd sort of always mm-hmm. see parts of it. And, um, and then there'd always be some parts I hadn't seen. But it, whenever I caught it, especially if it was like closer to the second half, I always watch through the end because that final 15 minutes, that set piece of Diane and the kids in the house versus the house um, is just like, I'm always clutching my pearls the whole time. Every time yeah, I see it's it. It's next level like suspense, but also you're just in awe of the filmmaking at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, there's some really incredible things that are happening in this movie that, shouldn't have been happening so and, and that is thanks in part to steven spielberg too i feel like he had the the drive or the technology or just the resources to do it which is awesome yeah it's and obviously yes yeah, some of the special effects are you know might seem kind of dated today but i also think yes. that's part of its charm i mean yes for it, sure yeah it's also like when you would see some of those wider shots like when uh they're contacting carol ann i, I consider it the um purple blouse and scarf moment because i think of it as joe beth williams outfits um Uh oh yeah when you get those wider shots of the living room and the big stereo speakers and it's just like oh this is such a dated california living room but that's Mm -hmm. part of why i love this it's all set in like like truly suburbia 
and Mm -hmm. these are such mundane people and such a mundane life and i think that's i think that's also why this movie works so well is because it's such a fantastical experience happening happening to such relatable everyday people Yes. Yeah. I think it, that I remember reading that they didn't necessarily want like a list movie stars mm-hmm. to play the family because they wanted it to be just that. They wanted it to be a little bit more grounded and believable that this could quote unquote happen to anyone. Or right. Whatever. right. <laughs> I mean, I don't want that to happen to me ever. No. Um, another thing, um, which seems to be a theme in like a lot of our favorite films here on the BSA pod is that the score is so good. Oh, my God. It is so crucial to like the success of this movie. Yes. Oh my god, the Jerry mm-hmm. Goldsmith score is one of my favorites. Like It's awesome. It's I you know, if it, if I can't get Philip Glass, I'll take Jerry Goldsmith because it's the yeah. same like there's the repetition, there's the driving energy. I mean, mm-hmm. and in some cases, you know, <clears throat> I feel like Jerry Goldsmith is even more kind of bombastic and diverse in like the instruments that he uses and and like just like the the pieces that he writes like it, yeah, the score is is so powerful in this movie. Yes, and it's it's a shame. I think it uh, it lost to uh, the score for E. T. that year, which is another Steven Spielberg movie. Oh my isn't god, that, isn't that funny? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. I mean, the score to E. T. is is uh, beautiful, but I think, oh my god, this is what I would recommend if you really like this score. You don't have to see the movie of The Omen, but the soundtrack has some amazing mm. pieces. Oh my god. It's also Jerry Goldsmith. It's great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I will never see that movie. <laughs> no, I, it's, yeah, that's from the, the title alone just scared me. I was right, like, Ugh. right. But the original, not the remake, the original 1976 version has, I think the, I think the title song either won or was nominated for best song at the Oscars. So, um, okay. and when you hear it, it's like, oh, wow, this is not Diane Warren. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just going to say that's yeah. the perfect comparison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, God. So, I mean, obviously, uh, before we really dive in, I'm assuming people know about Poltergeist. I feel like mm-hmm. it's really in the cultural zeitgeist, to use another yeah. geist. Yeah. Um, a misgeist. Yeah, not to discount <laughs> Poltergeist, but I, um, people know it for, like, Go Towards the Light, Carol Ann, and the television, and Carol Ann's line of they're here. But essentially what happens is, and it, it's interesting, and I didn't really figure this out, and I wonder how much this read for you is how it seems on the outset like there's something kind of random about this happening to this family uh, mm-hmm. where there's these, you know, uh, these ghostly happenings, these supernatural happenings and disturbances, yeah. and then it all kind of erupts. I mean, you know, it, eventually Carol Ann is sucked into the, you know, other world and they have to yeah. try to get her back. And that was one of the questions I had for a while. I was like, well, why is this happening to the Freelings and not the Tuttles next door? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I didn't really figure it out until I did the, in the details episode about this and really dove into the narrative, but they are, the Freelings are like the first family to have moved or one of the first families to have moved into this new housing development that was built. Mm. And as we find out was built over uh, a cemetery where they just moved the gravestones and not the bodies. And, oh, that was great. Yeah. You move the gravestones, but not, not the, the bodies. And he had his own BSA moment. I love oh, that. Yeah. But, oh, um, Craig. And then Carol Ann was essentially like the firstborn because they moved there like six years ago and she's five. So the idea is that she's like the firstborn, um, you know, colonist, you know, on this yeah. hallowed ground. And so that's why they're coming for them. 
And Ooh, I love that deep dive. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's really carefully planted throughout the movie. And, and there's a lot of details that are, and we'll get into them, but there's a lot of things I noticed even just like this time around. Um, that was like, oh God, that's such a great little nuance that I never recognized. So it's, mm. um, it's like a much more complex story than just girl gets sucked into television. Yeah, there's, oh God, there's a lot going on. Um, there was something else I was going to say about, was it Carol Ann? Ooh, so many thoughts going through my head, but I, I lost it. Mm. But that's okay. Right, that's the neighbors, back. though. Oh, the neighbors. Ugh. I know. Yeah. Um, and I felt like the the father, I have seen him in other things. He's like, he was like an 80s character actor. I feel like. I've, yeah, he looks familiar. Yeah, yeah. Like I've seen him play that neighbor in other shows. I think he was probably on the Golden Girls at some point. Like he was um, one of those actors. And I think that there was elements of that, like the casting where they had almost like the neighbors felt like side characters in a comedy. And yes. Uh, and it was just like th that kind of placing the freelings in that world where it's like, Oh, this isn't an ominous neighborhood. Their lives. There's nothing ominous about it except for the tree in the backyard. Oh God, that tree. I do remember. I mean, ugh, the one thing I do remember the other vivid thing is them just getting sucked or Carolyn getting sucked into the closet. Cause that's, terrifying yeah all the toys and that clown oh, oh god yeah i mean there's that that whole... was one that was mm -hmm. when i was looking through my fingers because i knew it was gonna be on the bed i knew it was gonna like it was gonna get him mm -hmm. but i just didn't know when and then the music's like dun 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 <laughs> when the tree comes through the window or when the clown oh no when the clown comes and like strangles uh what's his name robbie robbie yeah. yeah um yeah it's i mean all when there's moments like that where like the clown strangles him or the tree breaks through the window or like yes. just what happens to Diane at the end where it's like, despite how kind of mundane and not ominous their life is, the movie gets kind of brutal sometimes. Like every once yeah. in a while, it like just it it goes off. You it know? tosses them around. And like I know the movie is about Carol Ann, but poor Robbie. I mean, he got eaten by a tree, strangled by a clown, and he had to go along for the ride. Like, he was he was sent to grandma's a little too late. Yeah. He, he should have been sent right away. And then the older daughter, oh. I don't even know why she's there. I'm interested to, like, hear your take on her, too, because she is just, like, sort of there. She gets to scream at the end, which is a good scream, I oh, would say. I mean, that moment but, um, is like, what's yeah. happening? I, and, yes. and the detail of that is she has a hickey on her neck. Like, there's, Ooh, I didn't even see yeah, it. Yeah, so there's like always these little buried nuances of like, oh, what's really happening? Um, yeah. Robbie is a really interesting character. I it, it sort of touched on it when I did the in the details episode. Is like, oh, I'd love to go into this more. But there's a lot of moments with Robbie that are an interesting study of like the neglect of the middle child. Ooh, yeah, I would say so. You know, like he, yeah. once they get him out of the tree and they're looking for Carol Ann, they, like there's a couple shots of him just standing there. Like the kid has just been almost eaten alive by a tree and he's, you know, beat up and bloodied and they just kind of leave him standing there while they're looking for Carol Ann. And I get it, but I think there's intention in showing like, okay, you're fine. Like they don't dote on him. Yes. Yeah. And then I think That's true. that moment when he does go in the taxi and leave, I think that you know, he looks out the window with just this dead look in his eye. And Diane is like, call me, okay? Like, she's so helpless. And he just stares at her as the car drives away. And I just thought, mm. wow. Like, she's not there for him. They're not there for him. And yeah, uh, it's just, it's an interesting added layer, you know, that, like, uh, this is so much more about how this fractures this family and what how this family reacts versus, yes. like, 
the horrors of you know a poltergeist yeah absolutely even when like it takes him so long to get to the tree too i'm like get to the tree he's outside and he complains about the tree he's like that tree is freaky and the dad's like mm-hmm. it's okay i mean any dad kind of would because a tree is a tree it's not going to come to life and break through the window or oh, the window right right but it does and uh yeah i now that you're pointing all those things out too it's just i feel like he looks like shelly duvall's like child with those teeth those oh. i love like that one mm-hmm. like shot of joe beth williams and him and the tv in the background but you could see like his two front teeth in shadow it's mm-hmm. so great oh i know that that that, that silhouette where it's like yeah, the yes. big old buck you know chipmunk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Teeth. but yeah. It, it's perfect yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh so i mean all of this and in terms of dana in terms of the older sister it, it's an interesting one right like she is very underdeveloped and yes. it almost felt like and I'm sure the timing is wrong on this but there was a part of me like she felt like someone because Dominique Dunn was murdered shortly after this movie came out or was completed I know I read that wow yeah um, and I don't think the timing adds up but the way her character appears in the movie feels like someone who they needed to film around because she had died um like sometimes that happens yeah, in movies possibly. where like, an actor dies and they kind of have to just, like film them from behind or like oh i see what you know saying. kind of recut yeah. other footage and or you know mm-hmm. sometimes there were moments where it seemed like her dialogue didn't seem to totally match with what she was saying and i was wondering if this was like a, a post dubbing issue and again i'm probably totally wrong about it being like oh they the issue is well dominique dunn was dead and so they couldn't refilm it but yeah. there's just a moments like that where she seems a little lost in the mix. Yeah, I'm just I was just really trying to think of what purpose she served. Like what is she adding to the story besides being the older sister and like eating breakfast with them and then going off to see the boyfriend? Like she's really not involved <clears throat> in anything at all, really. Like yeah. she's involved in the, maybe the initial stuff, but she's never really in the heart of things too. Speaking of like the not the neglected child, it's just she's the one who is has her own life, I suppose. I don't know. The spirits never come for her directly. She never That's gets true. attacked. Yeah. She never. They never try to pull her into the other side. They expressly come for Carol Ann and Robbie. Yeah. I think that's, Ugh, yeah. Poor kids. But these are the nuances of, like, why would they come for the younger children and not try to take Dana? Uh, and, like, what is that? I mean, because there's an even further narrative. Like, originally I thought that Dana was... Uh, Diane and Stephen's oldest daughter that they had her when they were in high school mm. and then the novelization of the movie uh, suggested that Diane was Stephen's second wife and Dana was his wife from his first marriage ooh I like that or his, theory. Or his daughter from his first marriage yeah I for a second yeah <laughs> I was just looking up the cast of Poltergeist the remake which is I mean Sam Rockwell's great yeah he played their Rosemary names are different. DeWitt. Their names, yeah. Uh, Rosemary DeWitt, yeah. Um, Jared Harris, he was in uh, Mad Men, and I think he was in The Crown, too. He played that guy with, like, the cough at the beginning. I hate when people cough. Oh, yeah. It drives me crazy. Um, anyway. Ooh. Never mind. I thought I saw someone else that I knew. <laughs> that I knew. I don't know any celebrities. Yeah. Oh, I know her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know her. I'm yeah. at the lunch. Uh, um, so how do you want to tackle this, Colin? How do you want to? How do you want to get into it? Do you want to just look at it through each of these women? Let's talk about What's the plan. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think what I love about this, of course, is that our 
really our heroes in this movie, and then maybe we kind of talk about some of their best moments. Maybe we'll save Joe Beth for last because I think she's got Ooh. the most. But I think save the Beth for last. Save the- <laughs> for last. Oh God! Somebody play us off. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I what I love about this is that Joe Beth Williams, Beatrice Strait, and Zelda Rubenstein in some ways are our heroes. They are. Yes. This is very much. You know, the, there are men involved. Steven and Ryan uh, are, like, assisting in kind of getting Carol Ann back, but they're not leading the charge. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. Like, at no point is the man in charge, or are they relying yes. on the man to save the day? And that our heroes include, like, you know, a mom. And we know I love a mom. We uh, love a mom. Oh. A woman, assuming at this point over the age of fifty, uh, yes. played by Beatrice Strait, and then little Zelda Rubenstein, uh, who's no spring yeah. chicken herself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to have like those be our heroes, and you think of Steven Spielberg, and you think of like Indiana Jones, and you think of like you know all these movies where like the men are the heroes, and yes. um, and the women are you know kind of providing a lot of the emotional weight. Like Jaws is a great example. The wife oh, yeah. never leaves the beach. So, yes. you know, there's no women on the boat. I've never actually watched all of Jaws entirely because I know that there aren't any women involved in, like, the real yeah. action. Jaws 2, on the other hand, is full of Ooh. women, including the wife. Okay. Yeah, Jaws 2 is great. You wouldn't like it, but Jaws 2 is yeah. great. Um, so let's maybe start with – we'll work our way up. Let's talk okay. about – Let's we'll, we'll go from smallest to largest. Let's start with Beatrice, not Beatrice Strait, Zelda Rubenstein. Yes, please. Are you, had you ever seen her before? No, it's like she's one of those. I mean, I think out of all the things I didn't remember about Poltergeist in my limited experience, you, you can't leave this movie without like just, she's the one that you remember out of everything mm-hmm. too, because she's just uh so unique and she's so tiny and i love that southern accent of hers i just think it's just so perfect Mm -hmm. that she's not that she is like you said this tiny little woman who ends up really saving the day too yeah um and she comes in and she she knows exactly what to do that like she doesn't ever seem to sweat a little bit there might be a couple times where but it's like she's done this before. She is like a pro, which I love. And I love how like when she stands to next next to Craig T. Nelson, too, because just like the it's like Angina standing next to Shea Coulee. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's and I love this little okay, powerhouse yeah. of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. But I had not seen her. I have since not seen her in anything else. Has she been in other films or what was the reasoning behind that question? Have you seen her in other things? Yeah. So she's been in a bunch of things. This was like one of her first. This was probably her. You know, there, there's some other credit from 1981 but i don't think it was necessarily huge but this was really her breakout role and she did have i mean kind of looking through she did have kind of a a character actress kind of i think i this is maybe crude to say but i kind of feel like she developed a career the same way Vern troyer did after sure austin powers whereas like yes yes there was the novelty of her uniqueness and she kind of always like could lean on these qualities of being, you know, smaller and sassy and having that little voice. I knew her and I I probably even saw this movie before I saw Poltergeist or maybe around the same time, but I was also very familiar with her from the movie Teen Witch. Oh, another one that I've not seen. But have you and Johnny done an episode we of that did. on Patreon? We okay, did. Got it, got oh. It. You 
you will to watch it. love it. And like I <laughs> and like you it's oh yes. Like honestly, I, I honest I think I don't even know where to begin. I just you need to watch Teen Witch. Sounds like a lot of women too. It's is... a lot of women. It's oh it, no, there's oh god, there's a little brother who's re- oh god, you just have to see Teen Witch. All right, you just, I'll put it on the list. Oh my god, like as soon as possible. Like, and I honestly think it would make a great, very bad gay episode. Okay, it's you know I appreciate. I think that when you know gays of our generation like to kind of call out different like oh this is so influential like and and not in a bad way like obviously all of our matrons for all right mary that's that's the spirit of it troop beverly hills is a great example of something from around our generation we grew up it you know either we saw it as kids and and it you know was a memorable childhood experience or we saw it as gay men in our 20s maybe event you know first yeah college age yeah and realized oh there's this so, yeah. uh, Teen Witch is anyway magic, magic. It's Pun so intended. good. Oh my god, it's just so good, and it's so <laughs> bad. That thing is so bad. It's so good. Anyway, um, that's where I knew Zelda Rubenstein from, and I'd seen her in a couple other things as well. But this was, yeah, this was really her breakout role, and it's interesting because I mean. It was essentially, other than Kramer versus Kramer, it was also Joe Beth Williams' first big role. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, I think Craig T. Nelson, obviously we saw him in Private Benjamin, but I think that if I'm mis- not mistaken, this was probably his first like big role where he also got to play like a good guy. Like, I think, I feel like Private Benjamin, um, let's see. Oh, he yeah, he's in- just like a doof in Private Benjamin, too, yeah. Yeah, he was in uh, a couple of stuff on TV in the 70s. Um, it looks like... And then, like, Coach happened, and that was, like, huge. Yeah, because Coach, I think, was like, when did Coach happen? I feel that was, like, late... I feel that happened to be... That was probably in the, the 90s, excuse me. It's, I feel like yeah. my dad loved that show. It was such a dad show. Oh, such a dad show with, like, Jerry yeah. Van Dyke, yeah. Of course, I always yes. think about... Coach started in 89, Um, and, oh, God, you know what's crazy is that Craig T. Nelson did Coach... Um, oh, no, I'm lying. I'm just misinterpreting his IMDb. I thought he didn't do anything until 97, but he did a bunch of things. Um, but just a tangent on Coach, I never really watched that show, but whenever I think about it, I think about the wife... And I'm like, who? There's always these shows where I'm like, who is the wife? Like, we all know who Patricia Heaton is, but like, there's yeah. all these other shows where it's like, oh, who played the poor suffering wife? So. Yeah, it's true. Like the hot, beautiful wife that mm-hmm. should have found someone else, but instead is stuck with this guy. Right. But I maybe Coach is cool. I don't know. Maybe he's I, great. I can't remember like the dynamic he had with his wife, but I feel like there was maybe some respect there. Um, also, I'm looking at this now, and this is kind of blowing my mind. Um, his IMD pic- IMDb picture, uh, he played, is it Dauber on Coach? And his name is Bill oh, Fagerback. Oh my gosh, I'm like pronouncing this all wrong. But he was like the doofus in Coach. He uh-huh. was like that, like the, they would just come in and be like, uh. But he also was the voice of Patrick Starr in SpongeBob. Oh, look at that. Well, so that's like cool. That? Oh my God. He SpongeBob. Is, he is rules. probably. <laughs> rolling in money he's oh yeah so he i'm glad for him got that yeah. coach money now he's got that spongebob money SpongeBob money <laughs> that's all I mean, you need high I mean, school honestly, was a nightmare for him with that last name but <laughs> yes yeah i know fager bake Figure i don't bake, even know I there's mean, a lot of options listen, there my last name's yeah. drucker do the math <laughs> like, yeah, i know my name's kachanov krachanov that's what it, <laughs> oh, it was great kakanov it was 
It yeah. was awesome. Middle school was great. Right? It's like middle schoolers should be creating drag queen names with this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like we should be looking exactly. to fourth graders for for best drag names. Oh, yeah. They're brutal. They're brutal. Um, anyway, all of that a tangent away from Tangina, uh, who comes yes. in probably like well over an hour into the movie. Like it's um, – if we were to look at this as a best supporting actress kind of role, and I think the size of it – and the impact of it. Um, I'm not saying that she gives like a BSA, like an Oscar worthy performance, but the, the function and everything she gets to do is like, she comes in, she has a she has a great entrance. It's similar to Eileen Brennan's and yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, private Benjamin. Um, she gets a monologue. I mean, she gets a beautiful monologue about passing over. It's really great. Like once she comes in, she actually the next few minutes, next like couple scenes, she owns the dialogue of those scenes. Yes. It, Cause it's like, she, they're all relying on her. It's mm-hmm. like, it is her moment to shine. Yeah. I, I think uh, the moment that I really loved, cause when she first enters and Steven's kind of fucking with her with like trying to, you know, answer her questions with his mind. Oh, yes. And you think, oh, okay. So like she's, she's here to do business and she's not here to connect with them. But then she has that great moment with Diane where she, you know, she says, oh, come down here. You're going to give me whiplash looking up at you like that. And she yeah, she softens for Diane. And um, I think of it as like we talk about this on All Right, Mary with on uh, Drag Race where there's certain queens that RuPaul will use the kid gloves with in the workroom mm. and be a little like kimchi and will be a little bit more gentle with because that's how we can get through to them. And I love that Tangina uses the kid gloves with Diane because it's like she knows that she has to get through to this woman and she like, you know, mothers her a little bit. Yeah. It's like someone has to mother her because she's busy being the mother to all these other people and trying to keep it together. I'm sure she's just like picking up on that energy and mm-hmm. can sense that, which is great. And that yeah. it's something that only a woman can do. Mm-hmm. It's like very rarely can a male, there are men that are sensitive out there that can sort of, you know, read the room, so to speak. But it, I think that this is something that like you said, it's just like woman to woman. These are like the sort of interactions that we love to watch. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them. Of, and it's an interesting theme in this movie of like mothers. And, and you know, I love women mothers. supporting women. Women supporting women, mothers and maternal energy, grief. Mm-hmm. I, I This movie could go on for eight more hours and I would not get bored <laughs> when those are the topics. Yeah. Uh, yes, because we'll get into it. Because there's also that dynamic with Doctor Lash as well. It's oh, just, I mean, we'll get when there. she says, "I'll be back too," oh. or whatever uh, that line is, just I'm we'll coming back. We'll get and yeah, yes, I'm coming back. Uh, and so I, I like that if we were to look at Doctor Lash as kind of taking on a sort of a maternal role with Diane, I think mm-hmm. T- Tangina is like this kooky aunt who shows up. Sure, yes, you know, and I love, I love an aunt. You know, I love a mom. We I love ants. Love ants. Yes. And like, <laughs> see me with them ants. See me with them ants. And I think it's, um, it's great because she also takes control. You know, like Diane, yeah. Doctor Lesh, and Tangina at different stages of this experience are the ones running the show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I I just love her entrance line. Is does she say? You all mind hanging that? Why did that autocorrect? She said, you're jamming my frequencies. It's a great entrance mm-hmm. line when she walks in. But what did she say? Y'all, y'all mind hanging back. You're jamming my frequencies. Oh, hanging back. Yeah. Got it, got it, got yeah. it. 
Because um, she just walks through and everyone, the C's part, and she's like in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. And and I love kind of the idea. That I think there was a cut scene where Dr. Lesh is consulting with a colleague of hers who recommends Tangina. And that's how mm-hmm. she's found. But they, they didn't include that. But I love the idea of like Tangina, like Dr. Lesh calling Tangina and being like, so I need to talk some to you. Tea. Here's I some tea. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to yeah. need your help in Quest of Verde. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Dr. Lesh's first name is. I don't think we ever find out. Yeah, I don't think we do. But Or uh, I mean, if they'd said it, I didn't catch it. I'll see if there is, if it's listed. Dr. Lesh is just Dr. Lesh. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I'd like to think that she would be like Dr. Abigail Lesh or Dr. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Lesh or <laughs> Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Lesh. Lesh or what's her Louise Lesh. I mean, that's her name. Yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> that's her name. in uh, yeah. Work. Infinite. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. We'll just fan fiction. Start yeah. writing it. Yeah. Oh, um, I got a prequel. It's just like the, the adventures Ooh, of Dr. Lesh. Lesh. Yeah. Played by like Emma Stone. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And like, I want her to affect a young Beatrice straight voice. I need her to have that. Oh, like, yes. That transatlantic yeah. accent. Mm-hmm. I'm your doctor, damn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that with for Tangina, I think that the moments, I mean, there's there's the whole monologue about uh, just the people on the other side and, and helping them understand, you know, what they're dealing with. Uh, but then I think to me, I mean, this is also one of my favorite sequences, and it really features everybody, but it's really the next moment. Or really like tan, you know, a, a set piece featuring Tangina is the scene where they're preparing, where they're connecting with Carol Ann before they go into the room, you know, to then like go through mm-hmm. the other side. And yes, I I dissected this on in the details, but it's yes. a, it's like a three minute single take featuring all featuring Diane, Stephen, Tangina, Ryan, and Doctor Lesh, and it's 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 an incredible sequence. It's just. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, I know that I know that there are stage plays that are doing this for 90 minutes plus. I get it. But like I love in a movie when they like especially with the camera work and like just how it's all choreographed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. my God. I mean, I think that that's and I what I love there. I mean, we'll get to my favorite Diane moment in that scene later. But mm-hmm. uh, it's that way that Tangina is just directing them all. And it's. I almost picture her like this little like efficient crossing guard who's just like telling them yes. what to do and when to cross. Exactly. There's so many moving parts. It's like tennis balls, check, rope, check. I love that those are like the two items that they need. It's just so funny yeah. out of all the things. Yeah. Because it sounds like a science experiment or something like that. But she knows. It's like I don't know how many, you know, poltergeist she's dealt with before, but she she just knows. And the the resistance we'll talk about, like you said, with Joe Beth Williams on like what she has to say and then Craig T. Nelson has to step in and um, there's the argument they have too about mm-hmm. like it's, it's, yeah, who, it's just like a quick marriage dynamic yeah mm-hmm. exactly it's like that there's no time for that mm-hmm. I love how she just yells I love how she yells above like the roar Tangina it's great yeah oh yeah argue about it later yeah yes I mean one of my favorite lines in the entire movie of Tangina's is when um is it Joe Beth Williams that says like I should do this? Mm-hmm. Let me do it, and then she's just like, 
you're right. You should. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's almost like, yeah, I don't want to do this. This is a little scary. It's just like, yeah. you should do that. It's like just a hint of like bad acting, but it's also like perfect. I laughed really hard mm-hmm. at that. Yeah. It's a great, it's just the pause. It's a great yeah. comedic moment. And it's all in that pause. Cause they're mm-hmm. about to cross over and, and Tangina's going to, you know, tie the rope around herself and, Diane's like, you know, she's not going to come to you. I'll do it. And Tangina's like, you never do- you've never done this before. And Diane says, you haven't either. And then there's that mm-hmm. pause. Like, you're right. You go. It's yeah. Uh, and it's that to me also felt vaguely Spiel- Spielbergian where like he'll have yes. that kind of human comedic moment to break yeah. a little bit of the tension. Yeah. Whether it was intended to or uh, not, it, it made me chuckle. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love, uh, I just I, I I just love then when Diane crosses over and then Steven's asking like how will we know and then he freaks out and and he starts to pull the rope back and Tangina's like Steven not yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like screeching <laughs> with like the hair blowing and the glasses oh, it's great like I want a screenshot of Tangina being thrown back against the wall in that one shot after oh he, yes yeah, like it's <laughs> there is like a great shot of tangina like i think like in the silhouette of like the tv or or just the light coming from the closet when she walks in and like she's being blown back like there's a lot of great shots like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. uh that would make a great like poster yeah for a room or something like that I, it's awesome yeah she's such a great little like i mean that kind of character Sometimes movies will kill that character or, you know, mm-hmm. will will injure them or knock them down um, because they are kind of kooky. And so, like, movies, like, I think the idea is they, there's this idea that you won't get attached to characters like that because they're more of a, um, they're just more of, like, a, a novelty than an actual character. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this one, it was like, I, I liked that, I mean, I like that nobody dies, but I like that, um... Tangina, like she, she doesn't fully succeed. She's she's wrong at the end when she says this house is clean, but you know she does her job. She gets their daughter back. I was just gonna say, yeah, she does what's what's asked of her too. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me of like if a male was to play this role too. It just it wouldn't mm. be as satisfying. I just I don't know. It would just be like I don't need that you know male energy in the house i right. need this can in ways this can only be done by a woman i feel like yep. as far as making that connection mm-hmm. with um joe beth williams and and that's why craig t nelson is like second guessing it at first because like first of all she's like tiny teeny tiny mm-hmm. and it's, 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 there's like the stature but also that she's a woman like how is this woman gonna help us right you know? he doubts her uh, from the beginning yeah. yeah yeah if they were to remake this again if it were to be a man the only one i would accept is leslie jordan <laughs> oh yes <laughs> it would be oh. perfect yeah. My lord, can we make that happen? I know. And there needs to be like a Peaches Christ like sort of production. I know. I know. Like, do we have any context there? We need to make it happen. What can we do? I mean, because yeah, Leslie Jordan as Tangina is kind of perfect. Yeah. Oh, Colin, that's inspired. Yeah. That's inspired. I was going to say Danny DeVito, but he doesn't deserve <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I don't hate that, but I think, yeah, yeah. Leslie's the one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Tangina, the original Leslie Jordan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Z- Zelda Rubenstein, I should say, but. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's. I mean, in that name, Zelda Rubenstein. Like that's. Oh, it's perfect. I believe that's her real name. I mean, Good for her. it's. Good for let's her. make sure Zelda Rubenstein. Uh, 
That is her real name. Oh my God. She was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <gasps> no way. <laughs> yeah. Zelda. Zelda, Pittsburgh native. Uh, all the best people are. Hey, I mean, can I say? Uh, um, I wonder where she grew up. I know. Oh my God. I know. What if she like grew up right next? What if I'm in Zelda Rubenstein's house? You're what if in we her, bought her yeah. family's house? Yeah. You're, that heat that you're feeling in that attic is just the energy. I know. The yeah, spirit exactly. of Zelda. Yeah. I'll move out tonight. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Ugh. Keon's getting sucked into that closet. Yeah. I know, yes. <laughs> Everything's going in. Yeah. Um so let's let's talk about I mean I it it's like so happy to talk about Zelda Rubenstein, but it is mm-hmm. like holding back the the crashing waves of the Atlantic to not talk about Beatrice Strait or Joe Beth Williams right mm. now, you know? Yes. Let's, let's talk about it. Beatrice Strait. Yes, Dr. Lesh. Dr. Lesh. Uh, this was, um, I again, like I feel like I had seen this before I ever saw Network. So I was always mm-hmm. familiar with Beatrice Strait and yeah. kind of enjoyed her. And so maybe that's part of why I love her so much in Network. Yes. I'm curious for you. I'm assuming you haven't seen her in anything else other than Network no. and this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having, being most familiar with her as Louise uh, Schumacher and in in her infamous six-minute mm-hmm. scene, what was it like to see Beatrice Strait in this role? Uh, it was great. I think that it's like, first of all, just give me Beatrice Strait sitting at a table with a concerned look any day because that's how she enters this movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I just wanted her to say, like, then say it. <laughs> Your daughter's been taken. <laughs> then say it. <laughs> you can't whip, whip up a winter passion for me. The least I require. It's respect and allegiance. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. I just wanted that at some point. But that's okay that we didn't because obviously two different characters, yep. two different situations. Um, I. It's just because this was, I don't know, she won her Oscar for net. Was that 76? What was that? It was mm-hmm. It was somewhere in the 70s there. 76, so she was, yeah. She was going into this like an Oscar winner, which is great too. And I, I think that like... There's so many. Uh, she also has a great monologue as well. It's like I yeah. call it like the whisper monologue, um, where she's like in the the living room talking to Robbie and Joe Beth Williams or Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's just, I always felt safe with her. It's like and the same thing too when they, when Craig T. Nelson first meets her. It looks like a police station, but it's like her, and then like the other two guys on either side, or at least I felt like they were mm-hmm. there. But I, but also, uh, obviously, I just like those. They just melted away because all I really wanted was uh, Beatrice Strait too. And it's like you could tell that she knows what she's doing, but she's not, as we find out, completely equipped for the situation. It's like this is far beyond her realm of knowledge and expertise, but it's still something that she. There's compassion there, there is knowledge to an extent. But I, I think that there's so many layers in between, too, where she... I love that she has a flask. I just think yeah. that's such an interesting character choice. I just... I want to know... It, like, tells us everything we kind of need to know about her past. Mm-hmm. And in a way, another way, it's like, if this was played by a man, it, like, it makes sense that a man would have a flask. But, like, for mm-hmm. a woman to have a flask is so, like, badass. And yeah. I love that, that they still gave her that moment. There was uh, a part of me that wondered... If there was, because this kind of role, I w- especially as an older person, I would have expected them in 1982 to cast a man, you yeah. know, and I'm not disappointed. But I think the fact that Dr. Lesh is a woman and the fact that that's never a, 
like she's a woman with two men reporting to her basically yes and yeah. that it's never questioned it's never like oh well i'm the you know the reason why it's a woman like there's never anything that has to validate why dr lesh is a woman and yeah but i think like you know there's also elements of this where because she's a woman it it works i think the connection that she develops with diane would not have felt it would have felt almost like oh your husband's laying right there like what are you doing with this guy especially in the kitchen mm-hmm. that next day when she gets in her lap um so i like the one thing i noticed you know so dr lash yeah she kind of comes in the professional who slowly realizes like oh this is i'm in over my head and mm-hmm. uh you know there's yeah that great whole whispering scene where we kind of learn her backstory as well that she's mm-hmm actually a psychologist who's just like running around chasing ghosts and she feels kind of ridiculous and terrified and you know like this is just like it's something that she's doing despite kind of like there's no accreditation for this you know and yeah um and and i love that that she's yeah underneath all of this she's not quite sure and not quite confident of herself anyway um Mm -hmm. But I think where she really excels is um, figuring out how, because Diane is the, Diane is the, she's the saving grace. Like she's who's going to save mm-hmm. this child. And she, she figures out the same way uh, Tangina does how to connect with Diane. And I love that scene when, you know, Diane feels Caroline go through her and she can smell her and, um, mm. and she starts crying and she kind of holds her scarf up to Dr. Lesh. And then, like, she just, like, falls into her arms and, like, Dr. Lesh holds her. And I, what it really transformed for me that, like, Dr. Lesh is not just here as, this, as, like, the parapsychologist, you know, expert. Like, she's become this maternal energy for yes. Diane. And, and is, in some ways, it's like, it's like she'd be, it's like she's, it's as if the grandmother lives with them and she's playing the grandmother role, you know? Yeah, she fits in so well with the family too. And I this is like going in the fan fiction area area too, but like does Dr. Lesh have kids? Has she ever wanted kids? Has she right. always sort of been this lone wolf psychiatrist? Um, just kind of doing her own thing. But like she does have maternal instincts and, and like with this family specifically, like it just seems pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. Uh the fact that she can just step in and yeah, it's like she she's doing if she like she's trying to solve it on her own but like what she can do really well is be a what does she call herself in the movie does she say psychologist or psychiatrist i think psychologist i don't think because okay. psychiatrist be like a medical thing i think this is God, more of God. like yes uh, you know like it, it's like she's that's what she's kind of known for and accredited for and and what she's got like you know expertise in on the surface level but then she's also been doing all of this kind of off-label work in um the paranormal yeah Yeah. got it so yeah i mean that's what she's giving them peace a little bit as much as she can in this time to just like especially diane who needs it probably the most Mm -hmm. um because she's keeping it all together and being a mom is hard and i think that's kind of where the flask is needed the most it's like woman to woman let's have a drink here let's you know it's the situation is so crazy that like it's like when I don't know. It's like I picture like someone like if someone has a death in the family and they're like and all of a sudden they just like they need a cigarette. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they've never smoked in their life, but they're like, you know what? I need something. I need something to kind of just like take my mind off this, whatever it happens to be. But um, 
oh, there was something else about the flask too that I was going to say. Oh, if it was like, if it was a man with a flask, I would almost not even trust him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this boozy ass psychologist guy who just like, it, it would, it would, take away from his like uh professionalism i think mm-hmm. but for some reason with dr lesh it just works it makes me like her even more yeah, so the, i'm glad that they included that yeah with a man the flask would probably undermine him and with dr yeah. lesh as a woman it it humanizes her i think mm-hmm. um and there's that great scene where she and diane share the flask on the couch together yeah oh it's uh, great and you, you just like again like you you see men do that all the time in movies yeah but, like you, these are two women, you know, on the front lines of this, you know, taking a break and having a, you know, a drink together. I think that's, it's really beautiful. It's just really yeah, incredible. Yeah, the gender roles are great. And I just love that Craig T. Nelson is the one curled up with a blanket on the couch where that normally might be the wife. Yes. And like, it's like, n- let the men take care of it. Yeah, he breaks down pretty early. I mean, like when we see that first scene of him meeting with Dr. Lesh, he looks like hell. And mm-hmm. we, you know, in terms of him processing this, he immediately, we see him drinking. We know he's not sleeping. We know he's smoking. We see the cigarette tucked under his ear at one point. Yeah. We know that he's not handling this well, but conversely, Diane has, when Dr. Lesh and Marty and Ryan come to the house, she's the one leading the conversation. She's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of almost got a sense of humor about it when he tries to take the picture of the lights flashing and she's like, oh, yes. gotta be a lot quicker than that around here. Like she's... Um, she's the grounding energy. And I think even that scene when Dr. Lesh and Diane are on the couch together, um, I love when like Diane starts laughing and she's like, your hands were, were uh, shaking earlier. You were, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, you were really quite clearly quite scared. And, um, and just like, she's, I, I just think it really interesting that Diane it's not like she's not emotional in this movie. Joe Beth Williams mm-hmm. cries so many times. Oh yes, but she's not in hysteria, and she's not um, disabled by that. Like you can be emotional and still be effective. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that when they do have that conversation about her hands like shaking. That like Beatrice Drake gives this like line. She's like, "Yes, I was absolutely crestfallen" or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like some sort of like old school. She's like, "I was." I just love that she that there's residual accent from like network and that that time too. It just goes to show like where she came from as an actress too. But I still am eating all of it up too it's great yeah that beatrice straight delivery i think she said something like it's not over i'm still petrified you know or something like that but uh, i've seen older things of hers as well like from the 50s and she Mm -hmm. even has it then like she just has this very distinct voice yeah and i think going back to what we were talking about before with this was it is that the flask scene in the kitchen or i guess it's like right when they're going to like phase two. She's like, you know, Mark or whoever his Marty, name is. He's yeah. not going to be. Yeah, he's not going to be back, but I will be back. And it's yeah. just like the look that Diane gives her to know that throughout all this, she's still she's not going anywhere. And I think at, at that time, too, it's like she, that's what Diane needs the most, too, especially with someone who she trusts and could she can confide in. And they already like built this sort of relationship. I yeah. think it's really, really just sweet at the end of the day. I really loved that. That scene in the kitchen is great. It's the next morning, and uh, it's after yeah, after the whole steak and maggots moment and all that. Ugh, and gross. one of the nuances I noticed, and the and the, the shot, and I've, I'm obsessed with this, is the the establishing shot of this scene, this the the staging of each actor in like 
so Beatrice Strait is like closest to us um, at the table, and then Stephen is sitting across from her. So there's a slight distance from the audience there, and then kind of moving from left to right, then like moving more center. Diane is like at the kitchen counter pouring coffee and then moving further right and further back Ryan is at the kitchen counter in the back it's just it's a great Mm -hmm. staging and then a detail that I never noticed before is that as Diane is pouring herself coffee she pours the rest of the flask into her coffee Ooh, yes and so one of the things I love is that the humanity is like, and <clears throat> you know, I mean, I'm no one to judge how people are going to deal with a traumatic situation, yeah. but all of them are drinking. All of them yeah. are, are not coping well. And so, yeah. you know, when she comes over, like Steven goes to answer the door. And when she comes over to the table and they have that moment where she shows Dr. Lesh, the empty flask and yeah, I remember you know, that. Yes. And Beatrice straight just does this like, hmm, well, how do you like that kind of look? Yes. Uh, and yeah. And then she says, you know, well, I'm off. And you can almost feel the, you know, that pit in the stomach feeling from Diane of like, mm-hmm. oh God, you're leaving. And yeah. And I, when I did the In the Details episode, and I don't know if this is true, but it just seemed to me there was an element of like around Diane's eyes that looked like she was already crying or she had just been crying. Mm. Um, there's kind of that like glossy schmear of dried tears under her eyes. Yeah. And that really informed for me like, oh wow, like she's just like, Already feeling it. And then, yeah, that great moment of, like, uh, Marty will not be coming back. I'm coming back. And I'm bringing help. And the way Diane just – there's no pause. There's no invitation. She just gets up and climbs into her arms. (laughs) I just – and that Dr. Lesh just holds her. Like, it's – Yeah. It's really incredible. It's it's just a really beautiful moment. And I think Mm – Again, you I just would not expect it from this, you know, horror movie from 1982 that we would see – this examination of, of women's relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, I love it. Uh, yeah. Beatrice Strait. She's great. She's and her great. glasses are great, too, I meant to say. That was another thing, just like Dr. Lesh putting on those glasses mm-hmm. there. And the I frames are like, yeah. I couldn't remember if she had those glasses in network, but I don't think she did. But they're so ubiquitous to me of like, oh, of course. Yeah. You know? Those are... Yeah, they suit her really well. Yeah. Um. Well, all of this... I think is bringing us to uh, I, the last thing I'll say about Beatrice Strait is it's a little nuance that I also noticed this time is at the end when when Carol Ann and Diane, when they, <clears throat> you know, rescue them and get them into the tub and they leave them in the, in the bathroom, kind of the end of that chapter ends on Dr. Lesh. Like it's just a mm. shot of her. And she's got this relieved look on her face and she kind of smiles and puts her head against the wall and then she turns and she looks at tangina off camera as kind of this shared like oh my gosh oh it's over and then that's the end of the chapter and yeah i love that i love i love when a scene gives the supporting character the emotional weight that's true that one little lingering moment and we know we don't say goodbye formally to them it's just the aftermath yeah they it just immediately cuts to like you know a week or a day a couple days later too mm-hmm. when they're moving out yeah it's good i like that yeah i love that little like that's to me is also a real bsa kind of thing is when the character gets to when it gets to be well how do they feel about it you know yeah yeah um all that being said it is time to talk it's about time. joe beth williams Yes, Oscar nominee in our minds. Oscar nominee. She and Tony Collette like to compare their Oscars for playing yeah. grieving mothers pushed to the edge in horror yeah. movies. 
yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, this was, and obviously, yeah, we've talked about Joe Beth Williams before in Kramer versus Kramer, and then this was kind of her breakout role. Mm-hmm. And I think just like, I mean, I, I, I actually, I want to hear. I uh, this is what I want to hear your thoughts on. I could, I could just go on for hours. Yeah, I mean, please do. Yes. What? Give me your take on Joe Beth Williams as Diane. I think. One of the things that I really, really loved about like the way that the role was written is that she does get to do everything. Yes. And that's one thing that I appreciate is she's just not scared. She's not the, just the scared mother or, you know, the, the mother in turmoil. It's like my first line uh, that, that I typed is she's so good at being stoned oh in my bed God. with Craig T. Nelson. Like I thought like those are moments like we can obviously talk about the moments, mm-hmm. but all these other moments, it's like... um she's so good at talking like she captured everything that there is to capture about being stoned in bed with your husband and just kind of like chilling yeah um yeah and just like being a mom and like serving up the waffles and everything like that and just like kind of going through the everyday stuff like uh when i feel like the construction workers outside there's something that happens and she just kind of puts her back towards the sink and just like takes a sip of coffee it's very like wholesome and just everyday run-of-the-mill stuff um but other things too like when she first explains the chairs to like shows him what's happening that she's actually like really excited by it yes i just think that's such an interesting choice because i would be out of there i would never have stayed that long Mm -hmm. i mean one of the first moments too of many moments is like uh, you know we love stare acting and like when carol ann passes through her it's Mm. just like she went through my soul, which is like a cheesy line, but she makes it work. Oh, she There's sells so much. it. Yes. Because yes. she breaks on soul. Like she goes into her diaphragm for the word soul. She went through yeah. my soul. And it just, oh, I just, oh my God. That Yes, I agree. Shit doesn't really get started like in terms of ominous stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's ominous moments from the beginning, but in terms of like, her emotional transition into like you know uh, mother needing to lift her car to ra- lift the car to raise the kids yes. yeah <clears throat> i mean it doesn't start until 30 40 minutes in and so we get a lot of just seeing diane and steve as just um these you know normal everyday parents and mm-hmm. and all of like what diane's life is like as a mom you know finding tweety like that's the only death in the movie is the bird and yes. you know having to navigate that and having to kind of work through death with with Carol Ann and mm-hmm. you know doing the burial like have you seen the episode where they do the funeral for the bird on the office uh I have but I don't remember specifics oh, it, I remember them all in the parking lot but I can't remember much it, else it's kind of reminiscent yeah in nice. the office like uh Pam makes a little special box for the bird oh yes. and so this reminded me of that but uh mm-hmm. You know, we, we yeah, I love the scenes in the bedroom with Steve when they're getting high. I love mm-hmm. that Diane is really good at rolling joints, and she's probably always been good at it. Yes. Um, I love, uh, yeah, just kind of the the banter between them. Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams have incredible chemistry. They do. They do. And we haven't talked about Craig a lot, too, but he's, of course, just as delicious as ever oh. as the original dad bod yeah Craig D. nelson oh, honestly he, from the first moment we see him asleep in the chair in front of the, te- the, oh, the tv yeah. i was like i do i will <laughs> i will <laughs> i will i will um, yes yes and and i think that like the scene of them getting stoned i think one scene i love is when they go after the chairs 
uh, scene when she's showing Steve and the chairs moving and Carol Ann being slid across the floor. Then they go to the Tuttles next door to ask them mm-hmm. if anything's weird is happening with them. Oh, yeah. And there's that, like, there's that, we, they're, they're both playing off each other really well. And mm-hmm. at one point, like, I think uh, Steve says, or, you know, they say, oh, well, Mr. Tuttle. And then Steve says, Ben. And then they both start laughing. Um, yeah. Are they stoned there or no? I think they're, I think they're, there's a hysteria. Of, like, how do we. I guess so. Yeah. How do I say to you, the, the chairs in our kitchen are moving on their own. Is that happening to you? Uh, and it's, it's just, it's a great set piece to just like see two actors play off each other. Um, yeah. And, you know, but then it's like, we see all these like kind of fun relatable sides of diane um Mm -hmm. i love that she's kind of excited about the chairs because the impression i get is that when they first are stacked on the table you know in the morning it totally god right totally freaks her out and it's like i picture diane going through a whole day of just testing this like how she got to the point to put tape on the floors and figure out the spot and like she's been testing this for hours and so she's there's sort of a delirium when she's explaining to Steven, you know? Um, yeah. Like she's, exactly. she's not just cool with it. She's like obsessed with it, you know? Yeah. I think like a couple other moments, just light moments before we get into like the heavy lifting is mm-hmm. that I love at the end when they're moving and she has the gray hair mm-hmm. and she's talking to the eldest daughter and she's like, you don't like it. You don't think it's kind of punk? Right. I just, right. Like cool mom energy. I just Mm want to have a margarita with her in the backyard. Yeah. She's such a cool mom. Yeah. Yeah. She is a cool mom. Yeah. And there was something else. uh, Where was it? I had a note here. Oh, this is a light moment too, but it's just, it's just funny within the context of the movie because at this point, the entire, I think it was maybe like the Beatrice Strait gang before Tangina came in. Or maybe Tangina came in, but like they already saw, they they already opened the door and things were just like flying around mm-hmm. and then they shut it just to like see, like to show them what's behind the door. Mm-hmm. And this is after the fact. And she's like, this is probably going to seem a little strange as she turns on the TV to get the connection to Carol. And I was like, that's the strangest thing that's happened in this house. Right. Like, I, that's nothing compared to what's about to happen or has happened. It was just funny. Yeah. She's to me. It's like, that's where they get the best connection. This might seem a little strange. And it's like. Yeah, that, it's so funny that there's still any kind of self-consciousness here. Yes. Um, uh, and she has great outfits. The white outfit she's wearing when uh, Tangina arrives. That's another moment where she also is like crying a little bit. You can see even before she came in. Yep. Yep. When before she goes up to Tangina, you could see that that, that schmear, like you said before, of tears. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. She just, I, I love that, you know, that's one of the things that I love about Tony Collette and Hereditary is that from about the 45 minute mark through the rest of the movie, she is constantly in hysterics in different wow. variations of hysterics. Like she is, or, you know, just driven to the edge or wrung out. Like it's, it's so sustained. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I forget that every time that Tony Collette is always wrung out in that movie it, to differing levels. And I think that Joe Beth Williams, I mean, she like, honestly, this movie, and I don't know if it's, probably a whole bunch of things, but like this movie makes me very emotional at points. Like Mm. it's, I think it's, she is just so affecting because it's like, it's not just, it's not just the supernatural experience, the way that it's played out, despite the fact that it's like, they have to talk to to their daughter through the television is this is a a couple that is, you know, their daughter has been abducted 
and yeah and is is so unattainable there's no such thing as a ransom you know yeah and i think that 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 has so much impact you know that like they she she's a mother who's just like having a nightmare a nightmare that that is not just about a supernatural experience like it's like i i think that one point where she i always love this line reading when she um she yells at the spirits like you bastard she's just a baby yes and, you know? yes i wrote that down too yes and that, to me it's like that line could be in a straightforward thriller about a kidnapping you know yeah and i think that got kind of plays into you know dr lesh and eventually ten i want to call her tangina tangina um <laughs> When they come in, she's looking for, there's, like you said, there's no ransom. There's no way of like uh, reasoning with this. So she's looking to anyone that can help. And when she does get the help and it comes from a woman who, like an understanding woman, it just like takes that to the next level. It's like a catharsis in a way. Like, oh, yeah. Thank God you're here. And thank God you're a woman. Right. (laughs) Right. That's like my motto too. I'm like, thank God you're here to help. And thank God you're a woman. Thank God you're a woman. I know. I know there, there is something about this that I feel like. Steven is an interesting representation of he just wants to bring this like masculine solution to this. Mm-hmm. It's like he's he's very cut and dry about it, but this is so it's interesting like there's so much about this that lives in the gray area of intuition and emotion. And I mean it makes sense because Caroline is in a gray area of between mm-hmm. life and death and so you have yeah. to see between the lines and you have to read the energy to actually figure out, you know, uh how to solve this. And I think I think women tend to have stronger intuitions and stronger emotional intelligence or, you know, are given the opportunity to have stronger emotional intelligence because men are just so solution oriented, you know? Yeah. It's like with that one, I think it was Reese Witherspoon when she was talking. I feel like I've mentioned this before. She was, she started her own production company because she wants to, she or like the goal is to have more films and TV shows that are women led Mm -hmm. or like produced, directed, starring more women because she said that all the roles up until like, most of the role she's had is like there's always that moment in the movie or the tv show where um like the woman says like what's next what do we do and she's like i've Mm -hmm. never said that in my entire life that's women and mothers and whether you're an aunt or a grandmother or whoever you are they it's like tina fey when she said like bitches get shit done yeah (laughs) she was like but they do it's just it's and this is the perfect example yeah i mean the fact that she literally goes into you know the other world into the other side into hell Mm -hmm. you know or the gates of heaven uh one of the two to get her kid back i mean it's just it's so powerful and that she just does it like there's no hesitation i think that that's what's exciting about diane is that there is no hesitation to like what do i have to do like okay i'll do it and Mm -hmm. um i think i mean uh just to kind of go back to that three minute set piece, which is one of my favorite Diane moments where yes, she do you know, does resist is, um, is when Tangina is, you know, Tangina has warned her, like, I may ask you to say and do things that you absolutely object to. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. how we're going to have to get through this. And that becomes, you know, kind of an act three gun that goes off in act three, because then, yes. uh, telling Carol, telling Diane that she needs to tell Carol Ann to like, um, go towards the light or you know there's so much about go towards the light go away from the light no go yeah towards i was the light. so confused i was like is it bad is it good i don't know right but she's basically like uh 
telling Diane to lie to Carol Ann, and Diane has that reaction of like, no, and she yes. just uh, the roar, the roar. She, I mean, watch out, Kate Blanchett, because the Joe Beth Williams <laughs> roar is not to be tampered with. Yes, yes. And she's thinking through it as she says it. Like mm-hmm. there's so much context or subtext rather in the word no. It's like she could there's this whole sentence packed uh-huh. into that. And her, and eyes, her eyes are bold. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And I love how she says, It's a lie. Like she just yes. and, and then she does it and she says it and she breaks into tears and she says, I hate you for this. And mm-hmm. that is yes. oh, like you didn't have to have that, but you did. <laughs> Yes, it, exactly. it was so brilliant. Like, what a great line. What a great moment. I think, um, I don't know why I know this, because I've never seen the movie Philadelphia, but I, I'm i okay. pretty sure that Mary Steenburgen is in that, and she plays mm-hmm. the lawyer for, like, the... Yeah, you know, the opposite, opposing the, lawyer. The, yeah, the, yeah the, the prosecution or defendants or whatever. Yeah, and I, I think there's remember. a moment where she kind of mutters to herself how much she hates doing this case. Ooh. And I've been... Want, I mean, I don't know why I haven't seen that movie, but... Uh, and there's so many other reasons to see it, but I, I am intrigued by little moments like that where, yes. you know, a woman has kind of a micro moment with herself, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've seen that movie, but it's been a long time. I think I saw it probably about 15 years ago, mm-hmm. like when I was in college or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this was similar. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I think well, the one uh, before we get to really the set piece at the end, um, and if I'm missing things, let me know. But No, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to mention when they do when Carol Ann and Diane are are rescued and pulled through, you know, back into the living room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I one of the moments I love, and it's a Craig T. Nelson moment, is like he runs downstairs and they like go to like Ryan goes to touch them and he just screams like no, and he just like halts them. He's like, don't touch them, and I yeah, yeah. I love that. I love like the hysteria of that like he's the hysterical mm-hmm. one and yes and and i and i love just the moment and beatrice Strait is doing great nuanced supporting work in like the scene of like oh okay she'll be all right she'll be all right and, like getting them into yes. the tub oh the moment in the scene of the tub always makes me cry because whenever yeah it's yeah it's oh, catharsis gets, yes yeah, just letting it all out yeah oh like diane wakes up and she and she looks at steven and then they look at Carol Ann and she starts to wake up and then she says mm-hmm. hi daddy and then they just yes. start crying and I always start crying when that happens it's just <laughs> and the music starts and they leave them it's yes. just such a and it's a great moment it's a beautiful like uh birth moment you know and yeah and it looks like strawberry jam but yeah, yeah we're, we'll, we'll let it slide we'll let it slide I, I've never yeah. been there for other than my own I've never been there for a labor so I don't know <laughs> exactly. I know babies come out a little gross but yeah <laughs> um, no judgment I did too that's right uh, but um, I just that scene is just so it, and when you think on paper it's so nuts right like yeah a mother and her daughter were in some in-between and just got pulled through on a rope into their living room and now have been moved to the bathtub and like None of this should be making you emotional, but it's just it. It's also like, oh my god, they got their daughter back. They're okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, and there's scene. still more, and there's still more. And then there's that's, still that's the best more. Part. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so the last, like, yeah, Stephen goes to the office to do it, get a, you know, pick up a few things. Dana goes out with her boyfriend, and um, they're gonna be leaving that night. 
and honestly, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing in this house? Get out of oh, the house. Oh, I mean, that was my first thing. I was like, yeah. I mean, I know Tangina said it was clean, but no, I no. wouldn't even trust her on that I end. would like, pay people to pack my stuff. I would, yeah, I would pack during the day with all the doors and windows open. Like, mm-hmm. then I would leave at night. I would not be taking a bath. I would not be getting, you know, any in any vulnerable situation. But yes. Uh, Lo and behold, that's what happens. The kids go to bed. Diane, you know, color treats the gray streak and gets into bed. Yeah. And then the spirits come back with a vengeance. And yeah. it is Diane versus the poltergeist. Yeah, it's almost like it has final girl energy, but it's like final mom. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? It's like she's she's responsible for everything because she has to get the kids and just even like the reaching, the reaching. Oh, oh. The, yeah. The one moment, I mean, there's so many, God, that whole sequence. Again, I clutch my pearls the whole time, but it's, it's so much of like, get away from my babies and, yes. and screaming and being thrown and being electrocuted. And, um, but she, then there's the whole, you know, she runs outside to try to get the neighbors. She falls in the pool, the whole pool sequence. It's Ugh. just uh, that water would must be so gross. Like her so, and Craig T. Nelson both at two different points have to be in that pool, like underwater too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one scene where <clears throat> she met, she first starts to climb out and she's just clawing at mud. It's yes. just so panicky of like, Oh God, Oh God, you're fucked. And yeah, it looks um, like chocolate cake. It's like, she can't hold on to anything. It's just like, right. Fudge. Right. And then, uh, you know the neighbors you know show up at just the right time but you know are mm-hmm. useless and i i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with her <laughs> running back in the house turning the corner to run up the stairs and just running and screaming get away from my babies like, yes it's, it's so good and then this is my favorite one of my favorite sequences in the movie if not my favorite is when she gets upstairs and she turns and there's that kind of, it sounds like a, I always think of it as like a nautical kind of sound of this mm-hmm. bell. And the hallway just gets longer and longer yes, and longer. Yeah. And then she she breaks into a sprint and there's that kind of like military march of the music. Yes. And I'm just like, yes, you run, bitch, you run. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment because it's like, you don't fuck with this woman. Don't fuck with Diane. Yeah. Oh. Not at all. Oh. Uh, it's so good. It's. And then she gets the kids and they're out. And like, we didn't even mention too, like before she can get to the kids, she is like tossed around her bedroom. Yeah. And I love the sort of special effects that happen there too. It's like not even special effects. It's just like probably different angles of the room, which they had to film to make her look like she was on the ceiling too. But it, it works. It, it really was, does. It's like a, it was a rotating box on a set oh. and that's how they did it. Yeah. I yeah. I never that. knew until recently. That's what it was. But, um, one of the nuances that I always loved about this is she, yeah, the, the kids are, you know, getting sucked into the gaping maw of hell of their of their closet. I'm, again, I'm like, why are you in this room? Sleep in the living room. Yeah. Oh, God. I but, would, as a kid, I'd be like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm not. This is not. No. Yeah. Uh, I, it, the movie, the, the Freelings are never, they're not religious people. They're, um, if anything, there's kind of the, like, we see Stephen reading a book about Reagan towards the beginning, which tells me a lot about Stephen. Yes, I saw that too, yeah. Um, but I also feel like, you know, they were freer spirits at some point, and Diane... Yeah, they're stoners. Yeah. yeah, they're stoners. They grew up in the 60s. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Diane, I think, I think that's why she accepts all of this so quickly, is because she's mm-hmm. got that in her. But she's 
that there's that scene where you know they're trying to she's reaching for Robbie, he's reaching for Carol Ann to try to pull them out of the bedroom, mm-hmm. and it's this great little moment where she like the camera is like a close up of her face, and Diane says, "God help us," and mm. I thought, and then that then that she pulls them through, and sometimes you know like I don't know. It's like when I'm listening to a song or I see a movie and I realize, oh, this is a Christian movie. I'm like, oh, don't you try to fool me sure, with this. Sure, yes. Yeah, um, not now, the whole time. The whole time you had a message. Yes. Uh, yes. But I kind of love that in this moment of facing the gates of hell, uh-huh. she's like, I'll, I'm calling on God. I'll call on whoever's out there. I need fucking help here. And yes. it works. I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It did. And um, I love how like, it's like when Craig T. Nelson shows up and sees the house, it reminds me of like B.B. Newworth showing up in Jumanji when like the like the house is like flooded yeah. and she hears like all the screaming inside. He's just like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And the neighbor comes. Yeah. It's just like, you're too late, buddy. You're, you're not too, too late, late, but yeah, but like things have been happening for a while here. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I love his, I you know, the version to hysteria. His hysteria kind of paralyzes him. And her mm-hmm. hysteria drives her. I mean, there's because there's like a great shot or a couple great shots. I mean, there's the one moment where they get downstairs. Stephen is about to go in the house and she's holding Carol Ann. She's got Robbie. I'm assuming the dog is somewhere. And it's that one point where she says, Stephen, help us. And then the door slams yeah. in her face. And Ugh. and so I love that there's shots of Diane holding one child, running with another and the dog and the, the them running out of the house i'm like oh you know yes. like and she's in that like t-shirt jersey mm-hmm. let, like with the number on it yep. like nightgown situation i love it like her hair is wild it's like it's so great it's a great outfit she's got some great yeah. costumes i also love she does the yeah. tornado scenes when she's got the the denim shorts and the red tent the red shirt yeah i love that little outfit too mm-hmm. uh it's yeah, yeah there's the red shirt, uh, denim shorts. There's the purple top and the scarf, and then there's the white pantsuit, and then there is the the nightgown. I think those are her featured outfits in this movie. So, Love that. yeah, um, I don't know if anyone else is keeping track of Diane Freeling's outfits. I know she's no, <laughs> you know, Phyllis Neffler. <laughs> I know it's true. It's yeah. true. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so they. You know, the dog survives to get out of the house. I, I love, I could I could listen, it happens a few times, but I could listen to Joe Beth Williams scream, Stephen, hurry! Like, yes. all day long. Um, yes. And then, yeah, they, they pile into the car. They, they uh, Dominique Dunn, Diane, uh, Dana shows up for that great, like, what's happening moment. Uh-huh. They pull her in and get the fuck out of there. Um, Another nuance that I'd never really noticed is, or I never really fully appreciated, is when they're driving away. There is one shot. There is like sort of through the windshield. There is a shot of Carol Ann looking incredibly traumatized. Like, yeah. I mean, I know there's a sequel, but I, in, in terms of the narrative here, the idea that she's just like she goes mute for a while, you know? Yeah, you don't. I would never recover from that as an adult, let alone like a five-year-old. Right, Jeez. right. And you know, and Robbie's obviously pretty fucked up as well, but he's the middle child. Mm-hmm. But you know, watching them kind of walking to the hotel room and just the trauma on their faces, like Diane is just like, she's. I don't. I don't even know what just happened to me. Is kind of the expression, you know? Yeah, it reminds me of. Um, uh, in Clue, after like the final two murders happen, like Yvette and the police officer, and they just like walk from one room 
and then they walk to the other room. But that that's just more of like a, well, this happened now. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it mm-hmm. has similar energy to that. They're just like, okay. Right. Yeah. They're not even up. They're get not. The, get the car. Yeah. yeah we got All right. it. They're dead too. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it. I just, I think that that's, even though nobody dies, I, I love that there is an element of grief. There's an element yeah. of like processing and trauma and, um, the ending is strangely not a happy ending. I mean, they survive and you know, there's that funny gag with pushing the TV out of the room. Yeah. That was really cute. Yeah. I I really like that a lot, but they're also like, I'm assuming, I don't know if acts of the paranormal are covered under their insurance, but I'm assuming, you know, they'll, they'll, they're most of their possessions have been destroyed. Their home has been destroyed, but you know, they'll be able to bounce back eventually, but they have nothing like they've been there. All that's left is the clothes on their back um, yeah, you know, and and a hotel room at the Holiday Inn. It's really, well, I guess they were packing earlier that day, though, right? Yes, I felt like there. Was, so they're yeah, but they they have no house for sure. There's no place to. But I guess they do right. have some of their belongings, right? Or, some of them yeah. are. Yeah, it looked like they were. They probably were like seventy percent done. Yes, but yeah. even like metaphorically, it's like they've lost so much, mm-hmm. and maybe that's like part of the grief is like they lost their own life. Things will never ever be the same like they can try to go back to a quote-unquote normal life but nothing is going to it's going to be difficult the road ahead is difficult yeah i i think especially you know everything they go through in the first um you know 80 percent of the movie is is intense but it's like the sense we get in that kind of epilogue before the shit hits the fan is like you know diane barely remembers it the kids don't really remember what you know at least carol ann doesn't really seem to remember anything there's some sense of like we could move on from this, but I think that final attack just I mean it's it is kind of brutal in comparison to the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. It's really aggressive. Yeah. And um I I I'm always kind of fascinated by that when horror movies acknowledge the trauma. Yeah. Because it it's certainly part of it too. It's it's just like showing a little bit of the humanity in it too, which I always appreciate. I mean, not that I'm watching horror movies left and right but when they do have it it kind of just brings me back to i don't know a level of normalcy i guess or just like uh, human behavior but yep. um there was something oh the other thing that i i just scrolled down through my notes and i have two things to say um yeah. one is like how did that clown get back into the real world i thought everything was sucked into that closet and I just don't know how it got back. But I also know it's a set piece for, like, the chaos that begins and, like, the finale. So, fine. I guess I, I'm just, like, okay with it. I had the same question because you see the dog get sucked into the, into the closet when Carol Ann does. But mm-hmm. then when they're looking for Carol Ann and they look in the closet and they see a body under a blanket, they think it's Carol Ann and it's the, and it's the clown. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it was there. Hmm. I know. I had the same question. I was like, oh, doesn't the clown show up later and then yeah it i guess i guess it does show i guess it's discerning of what it sucks into the other world yeah yeah that's fine it's like i don't need this yeah um and then i also called like the uh the diane like run down the hallway the sprint i called it like the laura dern raptor run like in jurassic park when she she, when she goes run and then she runs from like wherever she is to like that building it's it's so reminiscent of that too it's just like that full speed like i have to keep going oh Um, i have to see jurassic park again 
Oh, it's great. I always love that she when she gets the power back on and then she gets attacked by the raptor in there and she gets out and she slams the gate closed and then just starts crying. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's so good. That moment is so, I mean, it's it's things like that. It's like, I want to see that these are human beings because if I was in that situation and I got to that point, I would start crying as well. And it just, oh, God. Ugh. And it's Laura Dern. Ugh. Yeah, it's great. Laura in Dern. Prime. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what a what a joy to explore Poltergeist. Are there any moments, yeah. acting choices, I feel like I'm on in the details, and Magic of the Minutia that we've missed yeah. uh, that you'd want to uh, talk about? The one thing that's like always been, it's so interesting because I wonder if my parents saw this movie because I remember specifically, and I know that this is pretty much like common knowledge, but I wonder if the movie reinforced it for my parents to tell me when I was younger, but... The whole idea of the um, when you see lightning happen and mm-hmm. then you count how many seconds away it is for the thunder and that's how you know how far away the storm is. I remember that being specifically told to me when I was younger and I, I'm sure it's been like just passed down for whatever mm. reason. But I was just like, oh, I, but in my mind when I was watching this like last week, I was like, that's where that came from. But right. I don't think it originated with Poltergeist but uh, or if it's even accurate. But to me, it was accurate for because I was I was super afraid of thunderstorms. I think every kid is when they were younger, but mm-hmm. uh, me me more than others. Um, well, I think but that yeah. there's there's elements of this story, especially for Robbie, that are reflective of kind of like Steven Spielberg's own childhood fears. And so... Oh, that's right. Yeah, the It clown. wouldn't surprise me that, like, mm-hmm. this was a thing from his own childhood of counting the, the, the seconds. Yeah. Yes. Um, and really, that's... I think I'm scrolling through my notes. I did have stay away from my babies. Oh, yeah. It's it, very much it, it's, a one potato, two potatoes. situation. Yeah, yeah. She really... She gives us all the potatoes. It's just... <laughs> yeah. She... 27 potatoes yeah <laughs> yes oh it's good and that's i think that's all i had yeah it's i mean i really like watching it again i this is probably one of my top five favorite movies mm. i think joe beth williams is one of my favorite performances in any movie i just yeah i think she just works her ass off in this movie and she does do everything i totally agree i think she mm-hmm. does everything and um just perfectly like i love that this was like her breakout role and she was so fucking good in it yeah yeah Uh, it's it's a shame it's like maybe if she had more star power because the movie was nominated for three oscars but they were all sort of technical awards i don't Mm -hmm. think it was any there no no one else was nominated for acting but yeah man if it's like if she might have had a couple couple movies under her belt before this and was maybe known like it's crazy that she didn't or at least like a golden globe nom like come on I feel like this was the same year as Sophie's Choice. So I Ooh, feel, that's Yeah. That's so tough. I you know, I'm not surprised that there might not be yeah. more recognition, but I think it's uh I think that's part of the appeal of this movie. I think for people who don't like horror movies, I recommend Poltergeist because it's not there's no jump scares, there's no deaths, there's not that much gore except for that one scene. And it's like it's really emotional and really powerful and um and God, that score is just yeah, this stunning. Is incredible. Yeah. yeah, I can vouch for that. Like, because I'm a big weenie when it comes mm-hmm. to horror movies. I do not like them, but I I watch this during the day just to be extra precautious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I I really really liked it. I would I would definitely watch it again. I don't know if I would like put it in again just because like it is it is a a ride. Like as far as just like an emotional journey and like the the stakes, even though you know. 
like you said, like you still get nervous at different parts too. Mm-hmm. And like the, the, the level of anxiety that happens and especially in that last scene, it's like, I don't, I wouldn't voluntarily put myself through it again. But like, if I want like if someone was just looking for like, you know, a good actressy sort of movie, then I would definitely suggest this for sure. Yeah. And if you just wanted to just see some good actress in, I yeah. think <clears throat> Joe Beth in the purple blouse and the scarf mm. is a great set piece. Um, yes. I mean, I, I am obsessed with uh, the moment where she, where they're looking for Carol Ann and like, they've looked everywhere. They've looked, it's like, this is crazy. We have looked mm-hmm. everywhere. And she has that little face journey before she realizes, Oh God, the swimming pool. I just, and the ways the that she, swimming the swimming pool. pool, the swimming pool, the swimming pool. Like I, <laughs> I, and the music is like synced up with her. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it kind of complements the, her hysterics in that moment. And it's, uh, really one of my favorite moments uh, in the movie. It's just, oh, I love, because what it is, is like, oh my God, this is a mother's worst nightmare happening right yes, now. And that exactly. is like what makes it even more terrifying as a mother yeah. myself. <laughs> as a mother myself. A mother I mean, myself. we have mom energy. Yes, yeah. That's, yeah. That's safe to say. I like to think at the very least I have a of an aunt energy You're a heart. cat mom. Yeah, I'm a exactly. cat mom. Yeah. <laughs> just um, trying to live your cat mom life. Totally. Um, <laughs> The one thing that um, this this is all going back to Laura Dern and Jurassic Park. I did not know we'd be talking about her so much, but um, in okay, so when Diane goes into the bedroom, Robbie has already realized that she's in the TV, but um, Joe Beth Williams has not, and she hears Carol Ann. She said, "Oh, Carol Ann, she's here," yes. and it reminds me of that Laura Dern moment when like she's backed up against the wall and the hand touches her shoulder. And she's like, oh, thank God. And then she realizes that the hand is like severed. Right. And that's when the raptor comes out. And it's brilliant. And yeah. then it's the same thing with Joe Beth Williams because then she realizes there's like a face journey when she actually realizes that she's in the TV and this is actually happening. Yeah. Oh, I love that moment when she hears her and she and there's that, oh, thank God. And because I know that feeling. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like when I can't find Marco in the apartment and I'm like, why are you <laughs> under the living room couch? How are yes. you under the living room couch? But it's like, oh, thank God. I had so many nightmares of what could have happened. And I love yes. that transition from, like, the relief of that because they've literally fucking looked everywhere mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. then have to, like, move from that emotion to the kids in the TV. Like, I just, ugh. Yes. Oh, my God. I It's crazy. I love it. I love it. Um, well, thank you for indulging me in this. Yeah, um, I'm glad to. It's like, I want to say maybe, the, hopefully there'll be more. It's like, I'm still... Working my way up to hereditary, but I Ugh. feel like I could make it through. I feel like I could. Uh, yeah, you know, as I think about it, I mean, there aren't really, <clears throat> you kind of, you know what's going to happen. So in terms of mm-hmm. a jump, you kind of already know about the only jump. Yeah. Um, And then otherwise, you, it it's, yeah, I think you could handle hereditary. It's more of yeah. just a little unnerving, but I mean, and doubt is in it. Ooh. And doubt is great in it. Uh, I mean, another okay. example of a movie where featured characters are like older women, middle-aged women. Like, I yes. just, I love, love that. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, Hereditary is uh, it's, it's an interesting kind of comparison of Tony Collette and Joe Beth Williams um, mm-hmm. in Hereditary and Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh well. boy. Well, thank you. Yeah, I do have uh, a couple runners up for my BSA of the week. Why don't you tell our listeners what the BSA of the week is, Colin? Well, if they don't know, the BSA yeah. of the week, our final segment of this episode is, of course, 
where we pick a, a performance, a person, a food, a thing, a song, anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives. Mm. So uh, you've got some nominees for BSA of the Week? I do. I have a few, actually. On oh. Friday, last Friday, uh, or this most recent Friday, Keanu and I ordered out at one of our favorite um takeout places and they do a lot of vegan options and Keon and I are not vegan he leans a little bit towards like vegetarian stuff every once in a while too but um we have you ever had like seitan at all like seitan wings yeah. or anything like that it's been a while but yes mm-hmm. yes so they make a mean seitan wing and they have the best honey mustard sauce so we got like we like piled it on we got seitan wings with honey mustard and ranch they make a homemade vegan ranch which is incredible mm. and we got curly fries and then we also got i think really the star of the show was pizza bread it was basically like it's just like a pizza it's in a circle and it has cheese on top and they're cut in the strips and you just dip it in the marinara and it is it was just i love it too much it was so good i loved it it's been a while since we had that so that was really a treat um and the other thing, I haven't listened to your episode yet, but I'm excited to, um, the Blanche Devereaux episode of oh, In yeah. the Details, the yeah. Blanche episode. But Keon and I, as of last night, too, and we only watched one episode, we, he's far, like, far more far off than I am, but he's never worked his way through the Golden Girls. Neither have I, but I've seen episodes, but he's not seen any episode in its entirety before, too. So we are starting from the beginning. It's on uh, Hulu for anyone else yep. who would... I'm assuming everyone knows who's listening to this podcast, but it is on Hulu. Um, and we're going to start working our way through. And it's the pilot is solid. Oh, it's yeah. Super solid. The first season's great. It's yeah. great. I mean, part of the reason is, um, I mean, the, the whole show is, I would, you know, I could give you a whole analysis of, of the ebbs and flows of all seven seasons, but like season one, um, a good handful of the episodes are written by the series creator, Susan Harris. And, mm-hmm. I, there's something about I talked about this in the Blanche episode, but there's something about the episodes that she writes that are just like there's an extra oomph or, or oomph. like she's a great writer. Yeah, it's tight. It's just like there's there's not any any lag or anything like that. I mm-hmm. totally forgot about or I didn't even know about. Is it Coco? The Coco, chef? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. How long does he stick around for? He's only in the in the pilot. Okay, got it. Yeah, that sucks for him. It's like I, it's like I knew he didn't work the moment I saw him, and right. I'm sure everyone else saw that too. But I mean, fine. Yeah, oh, Coco. It's, it's such a good show, and I mean, we could eventually, you know, do some. I mean, even though I'm doing Golden Girls episodes and then the details, I'm happy to yeah. bring it. Yeah, once we start to get in the heart of it too, mm-hmm. it's like I would love to talk about the Golden Girls. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I mean, all four of them won Emmys. So yeah, uh, oh, I love that. And I think maybe Estelle was the only one for supporting, but uh, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, it's oh, it's just such a good show. I please yeah. keep me posted. Yeah, we're gonna keep watching through. Yes, yes, yes. So those are my runner ups. Do you have any runner ups before you get into your BSA of the week, Colin? I don't think so. I think I think we are down to just. I think I've identified. Uh, Ooh, one let's thing. let's hear it. So I am, you know. Uh, you get to the point where um, all of the the fixtures of isolation and quarantine, like laying around and doing nothing and eating yes. voraciously, I just can't do it anymore, you know. And I just yeah. I am needing to start taking control of my life and my mental health and my physical health again. And so I, and I've had a lot of success with yoga in the past. And mm. obviously, yoga is not super accessible as a studio based situation right now. 
but there is a yoga there's a channel on youtube called yoga with adrian and oh. uh for folks playing along at home that's a-d-r-a-i-n-e uh a-d-r A-D-R-I-A-N. Adrian, spelt just like it sounds. And Bingo was his name. Yeah, exactly. Plinko. And so uh, (laughs) I feel like if you search it in various spellings, you'll still eventually find it. You'll find it. She's amazing. She's been around forever. She's got such a great energy. Just very calming, very, you know... uh, everything relatable. a yoga yeah yo- without yogi be- yeah, yeah. a it, yogi it- yeah but with without too much of the kind of um uh woo woo things that might be kind of a little sure. you know isolating and so i found like she has a whole just tons of videos but she had some like 30 day series called home and i thought well i don't know what this is but it sounds about right to me and so i started doing you know each each session is like you know probably 30 minutes max or around mm-hmm. that and so I'm on like day four and I love it. I, I, oh, I'm already feeling like the first day I was like, I could feel not just how tight my body was and how like mm-hmm. much I needed to like stretch, but I could feel all of the stress I was carrying in my body. Like it hurt and I could mm. feel myself wringing it out. And it was really like, I mean, when I was in California, I, I had a similar experience of like, I finally found yoga and then I just like the first two weeks of yoga, I cried in every class because it was just like, wow, so many emotions were just being run yes. out and um, it's just been incredible. And I just, I mean, truly quintessential best supporting Adrian because it, she's getting me through and getting me back on track to feel like a human being again. So I love that it's for free too. It's just yeah. kind of like, it's just available to the public on YouTube. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. That's it, super cool. People would pay so much for this. She's giving away so much content. And so uh, if you're interested in trying yoga, getting back into it, doing it in quarantine, yoga with Adrian is like a guarantee. Mm, I love that. Yeah. The yoga endorsements. Yeah. Okay. So what's your BSA of the week? My BSA of the week, and this is something that's sort of been a long time coming, but I've fully embraced it. And yes, there might be some eye rolls, but I am completely on board with TikTok. I am... Well, all right. I think that there are so many... And I've sent some TikToks to Colin, and I, I've very gently you know, suggested you should download it because mm-hmm. there are some... There's a lot of lip syncs on there, too, that I feel mainly is the main draw for me, too. There's a lot of cute kids, too. um, But it's like once you start following, it's like Keon and I just joke. It's like the gay algorithm. It's like once you follow like three gay men on TikTok, Mm -hmm. it's like there's like a suggested and then there's like you're just the people that you follow, too. And it's 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 just like a swipe away left and right of how you toggle between them. But it is, it's dangerous too, because you can easily just, it's almost like watching Vine compilations. Like you don't know that like three hours went by, but suddenly there you are. Right. Um, But it's the same thing. It just brings me a lot of joy. There's a lot of comedy and um, anything that you could possibly want. And you could search for things too. But I found some really lovely accounts to follow, just like babies and puppies and people like moms mom's dancing oh there's this one account that i follow just like a mom dancing in her backyard and she's so good um there's so many uh tiktoks that i have to like just not send you so 
Oh. Um, I mean, I will send if you, it's ex- you, if yeah. it's exceptionally good, I will send it to you. But I was like, mm, I'm not going to bother him. But I'll, maybe I'll just start sending them to you, and then eventually you'll download it. But there's no pressure. There's no pressure. That will be the way to get me to convert to downloading yes. this. If if there's like, oh, here you go. You should yes. see this. They're like, okay, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like a dinosaur because like we're in our thirties, and like it's just it's so like quarantine behavior to like okay i guess i'll download tiktok now but it's it's great it really is it's like i i'm not so much interested in like the dance tiktok dances of it all but like all the other like bsas of tiktok it's like we could eventually do an episode of that if we find like enough people that we like but yeah it's the search that is actually kind of more exciting uh, like finding someone that you're like oh this is exactly what i need today and there's always something that pops up so tiktok all yeah. right yeah i mean the lip syncs i mean that's kind of if you're gonna sell me that's i mean i want like i would love to see someone do a lip sync of like joe beth williams and poltergeist oh know? i mean it might it might be out there who knows i mean oh. there's a lot of golden girls lip syncs okay that's what okay. that's what actually got Keon. it like started uh yeah, it's that's like lit lit the flame or what yeah. am I trying to say here? Spark, because um, yeah. he was like, this show is really funny. I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, and I I was told that a co a co host a certain co host certain co host <laughs> uh, would be doing some lady lip syncs on yeah, TikTok. I know. And, that might be what gets me on TikTok. Okay, all right. I don't Challenge wanna, accepted. You know, yeah, I don't want to raise the bar, but yeah, what? I got to start out with something small. It's like I th- I started out practicing and memorizing the Melissa Leo kitchen scene. You owe me two hundred dollars. But I, I'm even more fast interested in like the cigarette couch scene. Like I I think that that's even. I think that might might be easier to memorize too because that's the hardest part mm-hmm. is you have to memorize all of this stuff. So the longer it is the more work is put into it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I put it off long <clears throat> enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think that, I think that the world needs to see yes, your rendition my talents. of Miss MTV girl, you know? Yeah, that's true. Who is, yeah. who are you? Who I'm is sorry. MTV girl. Yes. Okay. <laughs> TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Yeah. Uh, well, TikTok, TikTok, that's what the producers are saying. And that's why Ooh, they're playing us off this episode. A seamless transition. Seamless. Yes. Absolutely seamless. And so, uh, we are indeed being played off, and uh, you know how it goes. That means it's time for us to tell you where you can find more of us. Yeah, uh, you could follow uh, me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. You can also listen to me on the Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour. We're back for All Stars Five of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's been it's so much fun. I'm loving yeah. this season. Yeah, and. Um, and of course, on the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast today, well, this episode will be released on Wednesday. Um, I'm doing Sunset Boulevard. Oh wow! I'm really excited. A young, very handsome William Holden, who I was just like smitten with the entire time. Okay, um, all right. I, so I still haven't seen it, so that. maybe I'll watch it Ooh, first. Yeah. Colin, yeah, yeah, Gloria yeah. uh, Swanson. Gloria Swanson. I know there was a BSA nomination for Nancy Olson. I don't know if she's as great as the Oscars would suggest, but yeah. Um, why am I blanking on Nancy Olsen? It's okay, though. Um, but it's on Amazon Prime, so it's available. It's mm-hmm. not like something you have to go and find, too. So it's super fun. Uh, I'm excited for that. And that's me. How about you, Colin? Where can we find more of you? Well, you could find uh, you could find me on In the Details, talking about the Golden Girls. Uh, you could find me on... Uh, yes. 
All right, Mary, talking about Drag Race. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, and you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And that's probably enough places. And if you wanted to find us as a podcast, you could find us at uh, BSA Pod on Twitter. Or you could email us. Uh, what's your email address? Yeah, at thebsapod at gmail.com. And I was just looking up Nancy Olson because I couldn't believe I re- forgot who she was. She plays Betty Schaefer, which I, I'd say, yes, I'd say okay. that's a deserved nom. I, I think that she definitely earns that, I would say. All right. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Sounds All right. Cool. If you want our full thoughts, we'll check out the Very Bad Gay podcast. Yes. Um, uh, great. Great, yeah. great, great. Well, thank you, and thank you, Zelda Rubenstein, and thank and Joe you, Beth Williams Joe Beth and Williams, Straits, Craig and, T. Nelson, uh, oh, the dad bod, the dad, dad bod, bod. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith for that score. Ooh, yes, yeah. Laura Dern for some nice moments and her Jurassic rap Park. run. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I think we uh, covered it all. Today. I think we yeah. covered it all, and uh, so I guess all that's left to say is um, that, which is as they say, is is that. <laughs> It'll do. It'll do. All right.